Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, in the first part of the verse we read, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, once you become a child of God, you find yourself in a battle or in a fight. But that fight is called the good fight of faith. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting the good fight of faith. It's a fight of faith, which involves a struggle between our acting on the Word of God or our acting upon our feelings and emotions, our circumstances and situations. Without doubt, we'll always face circumstances and situations that are adverse in life, no matter who we are, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how good you got saved. Someone says, he really got saved. Well, even though he really got saved, they're still going to fight battles and situations that will involve either acting on the Word of God or acting on our feelings and emotions. Doesn't matter who we are. Circumstances, human reasonings will always try to come against us to get us to act apart from what the Word of God says. Doesn't matter who we are. So we are in a battle or we are in a fight. It's called the good fight of faith. It's a fight because our emotions and because our human reasonings want us to do one thing, but the Word of God wants us to do another. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 7, here's a scripture we all should be familiar with, but just in case you're not, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we are told to walk by acting on what God's Word says, not acting on what our emotions, human reasonings, circumstances, and situations dictate to our lives. You see, we have a choice in the matter. We can choose to act upon the Word of God or we can choose to act in line with our feelings and emotions. Listen to it in the Amplified Bible. For we walk by faith. That is, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our, own, by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus, we walk not by sight or appearance. Outward appearances may contradict what God's Word says, but we're not to walk in line with that. We're not to act in line with that. We are to walk in line with the Word of God. We are to walk in line with divine things. We are to walk in line with things that are of the Spirit and not of the flesh or human emotion. Look at James chapter 1 in verse 22. In that particular verse of Scripture, we are instructed to be doers of the Word of God. In other words, those that act upon the Word of God, those that act upon divine instructions, and not those that just hear the Word of God and then act differently, act according to our feelings, act according to our emotions, act according to human reasonings and circumstances and situations. In James 1.22, we read... But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 
See, if we just hear the Word of God, but don't consecrate to being a doer of the Word of God, then we will delude ourselves. We'll become self-deluded or self-deceived. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, we are to program ourselves according to the Word of God so that the Word of God will gain control over our lives and will act accordingly. We'll act out the Word of God. But if we're only hearers of the Word of God, we listen to what the Word of God says, but we walk away from it and don't do what it says, then our spirit men will not be properly programmed and we won't grow and develop as Christians. Our spirit men will be programmed to act according to the circumstances, the situations, the human reasonings and all that. And you see, the only way we're going to grow and develop spiritually is by dedicating ourselves to be being doers of the Word of God and not acting on our feelings and emotions and human reasonings and circumstances and situations. Now, we're not saying that's an easy thing to do, yet there's no other way we're going to grow or develop. We've got to make a decision, a dedication of the heart and of the mind that we are going to be doers of the Word of God and not hearers only. Listen to what it says in verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forget what's ma what manner of man he was. But whoso continues into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. See that? He deceives his own heart. He teaches his heart, in other words, to act on human feeling and emotion, human reasonings, and not the Word of God. So his heart is, is deceived. This man's religion is vain because, you see, out of the abundance of the heart, we are going to speak and we are going to act. True religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so we see this truth. If we don't do what the Word of God says to do, if we don't act according to the Word of God, our own spirit man will be deceived and deluded. We're going to program ourselves to continue acting in line with the world's ways, the world's system, circumstances and situations and human reasoning, we're not going to be any different than anybody else out there in the world. Controlled by our emotions. And God doesn't want us controlled by our emotions. He wants the Word of God to gain ascendancy in our lives. And so we must commit to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And so now we're to fight the good fight of faith. We are to walk by faith and not by what we see. And we are to be committed to being doers of what God says to do. Follow His divine instructions and teachings, not what our human reasonings tell us to do in situations of life. Now you say, well, just how important is this acting out the Word of God to our lives? Well, look at James. You're there in chapter 1. Look at chapter 2 and verse 26. How important is it, is it that we act out the Word of God until the Word of God controls our lives? Well, for as the body without, this is verse 26, for as the body without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. How important are corresponding actions to faith? Well, beloved, as the body without the Spirit is dead. Did you ever notice that a dead body doesn't do much? It can't accomplish a whole lot. It doesn't function whatsoever. It can't get any jobs done or anything like that. It just lies there, lifeless. It's there, but it's lifeless. It can't accomplish anything. It can't do anything. Well, beloved, 
faith, in order to be effective, must have corresponding actions. In verse 26 there, the latter part says, So faith without corresponding actions or works is dead. It can't perform anything. It can't accomplish anything. It can't produce results in our lives. Although we may have faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, faith will be there in us dormant. It will not be productive. It will not get results. It will not accomplish anything that God wants accomplished in our lives. And so we must understand that there's more to faith than just hearing what the Word of God has to say. Because, you see, faith comes by hearing and you got faith. But in order for the cycle to be complete, one must act on the Word of God or be a doer of the Word of God in order for us to get results. And so this is a fight, beloved, that involves our own emotional and physical makeup. We have been more programmed to acting on human emotion and reasoning than the Word of God. And we must be deprogrammed and properly reprogrammed so that when we act, we act out the Word of God. We act out divine sayings. We act out divine principles rather than being dictated to by our reasoning or by our emotions. And if we don't do that, then our faith is just going to be dead. We have faith in God, but who wants dead faith? Do you want dead faith? Or do you want to have a living faith in your God? Do you want your faith to work for you and be productive? Or do you want it to be dormant and non-productive? We all want it to work for us. Amen? Well, therefore, we must fight this fight of faith. We've got to stand against the impulses that come to us to act apart from the Word of God and act in harmony or in line with our feelings and emotions. Well, you say, how do I program myself to become this doer of the Word of God then? How do I program myself to act out the Word of God on my behalf so that my faith is not dormant, so that it's not dead, but it's a productive force in my life? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. Joshua chapter 1 will enable us to understand how to do so. Look at Joshua chapter 1 in verse 8. How many of you want to be a doer of the Word of God? How many of you want to be able to act out the Word of God in your life? You see, the Bible says that without knowledge we perish. And a part of the knowledge that we have to have, beloved, is to learn how to act in harmony with the Word of God. If we're not good actors, our faith is not going to be productive. You've got to be a good actor. Why? Because, you see, you're going to be acting out a part that is not natural to your own makeup. You see actors all the time on TV. Everybody, you know, here has watched a program at one time or another in their life, right? Yeah. Do you ever watch somebody on a program and you just want to choke that person? Yeah. And say, you nasty thing, you. You are such a terrible person. And then you see them on a talk show and they're the nicest person in the world. Do you ever, do that? Do you ever, do you ever have that happen? Say, my goodness, I was just looking at you the way you were acting. You were acting out a part that was just terrible. But then you see them act out this part over here and they're okay. They were acting, weren't they? You might see one, you know, on a program and they're just so terrible. I mean, you can't believe the way they are. But you see them in real life and you find out their personality is totally different than the way you saw them on TV. 
You ever wonder how they develop themselves that way to act apart from their true feelings and the, the true way they are, the true personalities? It's not an easy thing to do, is it? But they do it. I guess they go through training and they train themselves to do so. Well, if they can do it for monetary purposes, we can do it for a better reason. Wouldn't you say? We can learn to act apart from our feelings and emotions, lining up with the Word of God and act accordingly so that we can experience the glories of our God. His miracle-working power unleashed on our behalf. His ability manifested in our lives. His power not only to save, but to heal, deliver, and set free. Now, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, here we have our first instruction. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, notice, you shall meditate therein day and night. In order for us to be doers of the Word or those who act out the Word of God, one must be dedicated to meditation. We must take it upon ourselves to put the Word of God in our mouth and keep it before our minds. If we're not willing to do so, then we're not going to be effective in acting out the Word of God. Why? Because listen to what it says. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do. To act out the part of the Word of God. To do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, I know you've read this before, but I'm going to give it just a little bit of better understanding here tonight, if, if I may. You'll notice it says that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth by day and night. Actually, it says there, by day, therein thou shalt meditate therein day that word later actually means in the Hebrew daily. You should meditate in the word daily. In other words, keep the word of God going in your mind daily. Keep bringing it up, talking about it daily. A daily habitual thing. But notice the next word there. There in day and night. Now that word there, night, in the Hebrew means a twist away of the light. A twist away of the light. Translated either night, midnight, or adversity. Night, midnight, or adversity. In other words, we are to daily meditate the Word of God, especially in times of adversity in the midnight hour. When we are tempted to take a twist away from the light. When we're experiencing difficulties, troubles and situations that come against us in life, we are still to continue our meditation in the Word of God. Now, how many of us would be willing to admit the fact that when we face difficult situations, trials as such, there is a tendency not to really consider first and foremost the Word of God because we're so caught up in our emotional feelings. There is a tendency at least to be distracted from the Word of God. And by our feelings, it seems as though the Word is very distant from us. Because we have all these ugly feelings and emotions taking charge over our lives. Whether it be fear, whether it be jealousy, whether it be envy, whatever the feeling may be, anger, whatever the emotion may be, worry or anxiety... 
coming against us. There is that tendency just to kind of set aside what the Word of God said because we're so consumed by our emotional feelings, so consumed with this anxiety, so consumed with this worry, so consumed with this frustration, or so consumed with the fear that we face in life, so consumed with all the voices that are coming against us, so consumed with all that, that rather than listening to what God has to say and allowing that to dominate, it is easier for us to listen to what all these other voices are saying and allow that to control us and dominate, and then we act accordingly. Well, beloved, that's the time when we've got to be still and know that He is God. Did you ever notice the word there in Psalm 46 said, Be still and know that He is God? But it starts out by saying that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And though the earth be removed from beneath us, I will not fear. Though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea, I will not fear. And it said, be still, and that is implying in our emotions. Be calm or be at peace or be quiet in your emotions. Why? Because thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. In other words, be still. Don't act out the part of your emotional feelings because... For the most part, you're going to act wrong. Don't respond too quickly to what you're hearing, to the circumstance, to the situation, to the human reasoning, to the feeling, to the emotion. Don't respond so quickly. Don't act accordingly so quickly. Because if you allow them to dominate, they will control your actions and most likely you'll act improperly. And rather than giving place to the power of God, we're just going to give more place to the power of the enemy. And the circumstance will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so here he is saying, look, even in times of adversity, daily meditate in the Word of God, and especially in times of adversity, like in the midnight hour of crisis, continue meditating in the Word of God. Be still and know that He is God. Why? that thou mayest observe to do, to carry out, to act according to the Word of God. To do what God said for you to do in your circumstance or situation. It's a fight, beloved. Why is it called a fight? Because your feelings and emotions will almost force you to act a certain way. Human reasoning will just come at us with a powerful force wanting us to act this particular way. You ever, you ever been there? It's almost like pushing you to act a certain way. And you're wondering, where is this force coming from? But then again, there still is the Word of God. But you, you have to understand, the Spirit of God is a very gentle spirit. And He will not force us to act in line with the Word of God. God's Word is just there. Spirit of God is right there. And He doesn't impose upon us. He doesn't push Himself on us. But what he does say to do is to choose to act in line with the Word. And when we do, we give access to the Spirit of God, allowing Him then, you see, to take a hold of that Word and make it a living thing. Allowing his, the Spirit of God, that is, is what we're doing, allowing Him to manifest in our lives with such tremendous power that we can overcome all these outside forces, all these influences of the flesh of the human mind, human reasoning, and all that. Now, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, and let's illustrate. Let's give somewhat of an example. 
How do we develop in this? How do we put God to work for us, in other words? Have you ever been there when all these feelings and emotions are rising up against you? And they're there in such a mighty way that you kind of wonder if God even exists. You can't feel Him. You can't see Him. My goodness. And you might just say, well, if you're really, if you're really out there, just do something. You know, make yourself known. Just wave or just send a lightning bolt in the sky or something like that. Because if I had to go by my feelings, I'd say there is no God. Because my feelings don't certainly attest to it. I gotta tell you what. Thank God we can walk by faith and not by sight. You imagine that if we had to trust our feelings and emotions alone. Whew. We'd be in sad shape, wouldn't we? In 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to begin at verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, if we find ourselves in a situation where we are being dictated to by our feelings and emotions, how many of you know that it's an act of humility? To get before God and ask Him His opinion. What He thinks you should do. You know, you can go and ask ten people what you should do and probably not take the advice of, take the advice of any of them. We could treat God the same way. Well, God said do this. Okay. Go off and do what we want to do. Why? Because that's our human makeup. We want to be in control. We don't understand it. Just like Naaman the leper. He wanted to do it his own way. He had his own thoughts about how it should be done. He wanted to tell God how to do it, didn't he? But you see, it's, it takes humility. We must humble ourselves to think through what God said. It's called bowing yourself before the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God. And you know, we have to admit God might be a little bit smarter than us. You think so? You willing to admit that tonight? God's a little bit smaller than us? Or a lot smarter than us? Well, why is it so difficult then for us to do these things? Think about it is what he's saying. Think about it. In your time of adversity, humble yourself before God. Now, Joshua said meditate on that. Meditate on that. I just can't be taken by these feelings and emotions. I can't allow these human reasonings to dictate to my life. I've got to humble myself before God and get a hold of His wisdom and get a hold of His mind and see what He would have me to do right now in this situation. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. One reason why we don't get exalted in due season is because we've got to first humble ourselves before God and plant some seed. There's the thing called seed time and harvest, beloved. And if we don't get a hold of the mind of God, we won't have the Word of God. If we don't get a hold of the Word of God, you can't plant the seed. If you can't plant the seed, there's not going to be a reaping season. Isn't that true? And so we've got to humble ourselves before God, collect His thoughts, His ideas, His suggestions, and His ways. That is an act of humility. And the whole purpose of it is for Him to exalt us, to lift us up above the circumstance or situation. 
to take us out of the realm of defeat into victory. Isn't that what he wants to do? And so, you see, we must meditate that. Hmm, let's think this thing through clearly. If I humble myself by doing what he says to do, then praise God, he's going to be able to exalt me. So before I act hastily, rashly, before I do the wrong thing, let me think about what God said to do in a situation like this. Let me hear what he has to say on the subject. Now, you know, beloved, he said, if you trust him with all your heart and lean not to your understanding and acknowledge him in all your ways, he'll direct your paths. He'll tell us what to do. See, that's an act of humility. I'm not trusting in myself, but I'm trusting in you, Lord, and I want your mind. I want to understand your ways. Now, the next thing he said to do, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, what he's saying is this. Humble yourself to find out what I would have you to do, how I would have you to act, what steps I would have you to take, carrying out the Word of God, acting out, being a doer of the Word of God. You can see right here it says, cast all your care, your worries, your concerns, your anxieties, and your frustrations over on the Lord. Because He cares for you. Now, there's instruction given to us in the Word of God right there. But very often, we want Him to exalt us without us casting our cares upon Him. We want to hold to it. We want to be in control. We have this idea that worry can change the situation. Well, it can, for the worse. For the worse, not for the better. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your stature, is what he said to us. Didn't he? So, in other words, taking the thought, taking the care, the anxieties of it all, is not going to benefit us in any way. But yet, how many times throughout the day are we tempted to take the care, the worry, and the frustration? How many of you know that this human frame and makeup in its present condition is not capable of taking upon it the weight of the world? Forget the world, our own problems in life, our own individual problems. It's not designed that way. It's not made up that way. We don't have that kind of makeup. God's got bigger shoulders than we have. Amen? He has bigger shoulders. He is able to handle a whole lot more than we are. But in order for us to be doers of the Word of God, do you know we are required to cast the whole of that care upon Him? And you know, once again, that's an act of humility. By saying, Lord, I just can't handle it. Lord, it's just not in my makeup for me to be able to deal with it individually by myself, apart from you. I'm not equipped to handle that kind of pressure in life. And so, Lord, I'm making a decision right now. I am going to take this whole load, not part of it, not some of it, but the whole entire thing, I'm going to lift it off my shoulders. I'm going to give it to you and say, you now are in control. It's no longer my problem. It's now yours. And I'm looking to you to be the one to work out all the details. That's easier said than done, isn't it? 
I said, that's easier said than, isn't it? We say that in one breath, and in the next breath, we find ourselves once again being concerned, anxious, worrying, etc. Can you see how we need developed? Can you see now that we've got to do something to rise up above these powers of our emotions and, and feelings and human reasonings? Can you see it will take effort and work on our part to overcome these things? And allow the Word to dominate our lives? Well, this is how we do it. We meditate in what He said to do. Start thinking about it. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. He wants to exalt you in due time. So take the whole load of your care and cast it over on Him because He's the one who cares for you. He's equipped to handle all of your problems. He is equipped to change all your circumstances. But we've got to learn to allow Him to fight for us. We've got to learn how to put God to work for us. And see, we do this by faith. Now, once again, there is your fight. The fight is, should I worry or should I let God have the problem? I'll give it to God, and then you give it to God. All of a sudden, someone wants you to take it back. If it's not your feelings, if it's your emotions, it's the devil himself. How do you know that? Read the next verse. Be sober... Be vigilant because the devil loves you, cares about you, wants to help you keep that load on the Father, won't think of harming you in any way. <laughs> no. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, see, you take all that care. A truckload of it. Put it over off on God. And the devil starts roaring for it to come back on you. You left it over there with the Father. He starts roaring once again for it to come back on you. You ever notice everything you do for God, you have someone opposing it? Anytime you set out to act on the Word of God, you've got something or someone opposing it. I guess one thing we can say about the devil is that he is persistent and he does his job. You have an adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may. Now, don't get this picture of the devil walking up to you and say, saying, excuse me, may I devour you? Uh, pardon me. You know, may I? All I want to really do is just take your head off is may I? You know, it's all I really want to do. He's not that polite. He's seeking whom he may. In other words, who allows him to devour them. That's whom he is seeking. He is seeking those who will give him the permission to devour them. You say, well, what do we have to do with it? Remember what Jesus said to Peter? What you allow will be allowed and what you disallow will be disallowed. You allow him to have that access to your life and I do also when I take back the care and the worry and the anxiety. Amen. You know, most people in hospitals today are there because of anxiety and worry. I mean, doctors will even tell you that. It'll set you there. It'll make you sick. All kinds of diseases as a result of stress, anxiety, worry, and, and all that stuff. And Jesus already told us that, look, you can't change one thing in your life by it, for the good, that is. 
But once again, we have all these things telling us, you better worry. You better become anxious. All these voices, especially the roaring of that lion. Well, here's a part of acting on the Word of God. We cast our care upon Him because He cares for us. But now, you see, once again, we find ourselves in a battle of faith. We have an enemy out there that we are to be aware of. We know what he is trying to do, that is to devour us. What we are to do in verse 9 is this, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now, there it is. There it is. If I want to be a doer of the Word of God, one who carries out what God says to do, if I want to give corresponding action to my faith, then when I am tempted to take back the care, the anxiety, the worry, the frustration of the situation, I in obedience to the Word of God, am to resist the devil steadfastly in the faith, as one translation says, with my faith. With my acting on the Word of God, not acting on my human reasonings, I resist the devil. Human reasoning tells me to worry. Human reasoning tells me to be anxious and full of stress. But, The Word of God says, cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. And so with all those feelings, with all those emotions coming against you, weighing you down, you stand there beneath it all saying, those are nothing but lying symptoms. That's nothing but the devil's roar trying to tell me that I should be worried, I should be overly concerned, I should be full of anxiety, telling me that God's not at work for me because I can't feel Him at work for me. Well, you know, you're not going to feel God at work for you. God's at work for us whether we feel it or not. What we are to do is realize that these feelings coming against us are not in favor of us. And are not in favor of letting God work for us. And so what we then do is say, no, even though I may feel that way, even though I am tempted to worry right now, I refuse to give place to the enemy. I refuse to think that my worrying is going to help solve my problem. I choose to resist, to stand against the thoughts, the feelings, and the emotions, and the reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. My God cares for me, and my God will fight my battles for me. You just resisted the devil, and you stood against the human feelings and emotions. You acted according to the Word of God. You've made a highway for God to fortify you with His strength and ability. How do you know that? Well, let's read on. Whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Listen, we're not the only ones that are being attacked by the devil. We're not the only ones that have to stand against feelings and emotions. You know, you're not the only one. We all are. Every single one of us stands against all kinds of feelings, a myriad of feelings and emotions and circumstances and situations and all these reasonings that come against our lives. Well, that may be true. But praise God... We know how to put God to work for us. We can resist all that. And I'll tell you what, God's no respecter of persons. He's not going to do it, to do it just for one or two. He's going to do it for everyone who acts according to His Word. Well, listen to what it says God will do for you. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. After that ye have suffered a while. A while. What's he mean by that? 
Actually, what it means is even though we may experience a certain type of sensation called emotional suffering as a result of the situation, as a result of the circumstance, and you know, we all will be afflicted. Isn't that what he said there in verse 9? You're not the only one who gets afflicted. We all do. And as a result of that affliction, we have emotional suffering. Isn't that true? See, it's a wrong concept for us to think that we're never going to get to a place that we're going to suffer anything. Now, we're going to suffer in our emotions when these things come against us. It's not a good feeling to have emotional hurt, is it? So we're all going to experience that emotional sensation. And after we have suffered for a while, even though there is suffering involved in that, we are not locked in to the effects of the suffering. That's the thing we have to recognize. We're not locked in. We're not bound by those feelings coming against us thinking that I'm destroyed now. I'm going to tell you something right now. You can get a phone call to tell you something that just make your, you know, your head just fall off your shoulders. You ever been there? Fifteen minutes. And there you are whining and crying and complaining and worrying and troubled. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, my, my goodness. You're, the, the world has come to an end. Five minutes later, someone else calls you back and says, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. All of a sudden, you go through all these different emotions, don't you? You're so happy. You're so wonderful. You're so joyful. You're full of glee. I mean, can you see how we are? That's a battle, beloved. In the midst of all that terrible news, what it's saying is this. You may suffer some emotional sensations for a while, but don't let that dictate to you. Don't let that control you. Don't, make, don't let that make you think this is the outcome of it all. No. Recognize in the midst of it all, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And be aware of that. Now it goes on to say, after that she have suffered a while, make you perfect. Notice this. As we act on the word of God in the midst of the circumstance, not allowing the emotional feelings to control us, God will bring us to a place of perfection or he'll complete thoroughly or repair or adjust us. God will be at work adjusting us. How do you program yourself? Spiritually? By not allowing those feelings and emotions, the appearance of things, the sight of it all, to dominate us. And we recognize that everybody's attacked and we stay with the Word of God. We humble ourselves before God. We resist the devil and all those feelings and emotions And God Himself then, even though we experience some sensational experience of hurt, God Himself then begins to make adjustments in us, in our spiritual condition. He conditions us spiritually. If He needs to, He brings repair. It means to restore, to perfect. It means to complete us thoroughly. Whatever is needed for us, To act the way God would have us to act is taking place on the inside. To release that perfect faith. Whatever it is, is taking place on the inside. Notice the next part. After that you suffered a while, make you perfect, establish. It means to set fast or to turn us in a certain direction. He'll make adjustments in us and he'll set us in a certain direction. And as far as I'm concerned, and you should be concerned, it's the direction of victory, of overcoming faith, 
of overcoming power, a, a direction that's going to produce results in our lives. He'll perfect us as well as establish us. And look at the next one. He will also strengthen and settle us. What's he mean by that? He'll confirm us in spiritual knowledge and power. He will confirm us in spiritual knowledge and power. That's God at work inside your spirit, my friend. God will do a work inside of us that will confirm us in spiritual knowledge and power. What will that do? That knowledge and power will dictate to the emotions, to the feelings, and to the voice of circumstances and reasonings. And on the inside of your spirit, you'll begin to have this coming out. Yeah, I know the problem, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, yeah, I know the circumstance, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yeah, but, you know, you should really be worried about this. Well, I know and I heard what you said, but greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Well, what strength are you acting on? The strength of the Word of God that's on the inside of me. My God is on the inside of me, and He's greater in me than anything I face in life. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory, that I'm yielding to. He strengthens us. Now, can you understand the proper meaning of suffer for a while? Certainly, when we encounter adversity, we suffer emotional sensations, don't we? We all do. But it doesn't have to have the final word. It doesn't have to have the final say. We can sit right there in the midst of the storm of all these winds blowing our way. The winds of worry, anxiety, and frustration, and fear, and stress. Can you see them just zooming at you as I speak those words out? Zooming right by your house and just zooming. The storms of life. The crises of life coming to all of us, storming your way, bombarding you. But there you are saying, no, you may not devour me. No, I will not give in to you. No, you cannot have my joy. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. I still will rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what you say, no matter how I feel, no matter what it looks like, I will say the joy of the Lord is my strength, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I resist you steadfast in my faith. Hallelujah. And the greater one who is in me, he works for me. Glory to the living God. And if you want another scripture to go along with that, praise God. Look at, look at this. You're in chapter 5. Look at chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is the trial you. As if some strange thing happened to you. Oh, I heard so many faith people say, this is strange. I mean, I said, with his stripes I'm healed. I shouldn't have any sickness trying to come on my body. Well, now, come on, brother. I tried that faith business. I said, my God supplies for all my need three times this morning. And this strange thing happened to me. Yeah, I know. When you got up in the morning and you said that, the devil just fell over dead. <laughs> Called off all of his emissaries and said, don't go over his house. On the contrary, my friend, when you said that, your faith antenna went up. And he said, you, 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 go over his house. 
So don't think something strange has happened to you when you encounter a fiery trial of your faith. But rejoice. See, some, because we're human, we misinterpret things. When this problem comes, it should be an indication that God heard us and the devil doesn't like it. Can you see that? God heard your faith. The devil doesn't like it, so he's sending something strange over your house. <laughs> something strange is coming your way. And so when that strange thing comes, what are you supposed to do? We react with, oh, I thought I did the right formula. Let me see. He said, believe it, say it, speak, or was it think it, believe it, say it. I said it, I believed it, I spoke it out, I said it, and I found the scripture, I wrote it down. Maybe I wrote it wrong, I don't know. I wrote the time, I don't know. Lord, Lord, Lord. Is that what we did? Oh, why is this happening to me? This is so strange, you know. No. Mm -mm. See, we forgot the other part to this message. When you use your faith, your faith antenna goes up, you will be attacked, and all kinds of strange things can happen to you. You ever find yourself saying, this is strange, this never happened before, right? Well, you've never been using your faith like that before. Now that you're using your faith, something strange happens to you. So we are to, instead of be sad... Rejoice. Now, isn't that strange? When sadness comes, rejoice. When sorrow comes, be glad. What are your emotions telling you right at that moment? Are you irritable right now? Put a smile on your face and rejoice and be glad. I'm trying to show you that it's contrary. See, it doesn't line up with human reasoning. doesn't line up with human feelings and emotions. I should be so sad. I want to have my own personal pity party and just leave me alone. You know, that's what we want to do. That's what our feelings are telling us. But the Word says, rejoice. In so much as you are partakers of Christ's what? Can you see that? Sufferings. I don't see where Jesus suffered disease, do you? No. He had to suffer those emotions also. And we will also. He's touched with the feeling of our human weaknesses. But can you see this? If we will recognize this is a part of the sufferings that Christ suffered, those feelings then won't seem to be all that bad. Because we're human. And someone steps on your toe, it hurts. Someone calls you and says something horrible, you have a rush of emotions that are contrary, right? That is human. You act on the Word of God and you realize that, yes, I'm just going to partake of this kind of suffering in my emotions, but not let those emotions control me. I am going to rejoice because I know that the Word of God in me is greater than the circumstance I face. Amen. I'm a partaker of that suffering. Now, notice this, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you rejoice just with the rejoice of faith, you'll get to a place that you'll rejoice with the exceeding joy of His glory. Amen. That's what He's saying here. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, 
For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. You see, what will begin happening is you'll begin to glorify God in your life. And greater is he that's in you will begin to manifest himself. The spirit of glory will rest upon you as you rejoice in faith. As you rejoice in faith. As you rejoice in faith, the spirit of glory will come upon you. And there will be a manifestation of exceeding joy. Why? Because the greater one's making himself known. He's fighting for you. He is manifesting his power. And praise God, the enemy is being overcome. Turn with me, if you would, please, to our closing text, 1 John chapter 4. To show you how you can be a doer of the Word, how we all can be doers of the Word, all we've got to do is be dedicated to and committed to meditating the Word, not just daily, but also in in particular in times of adversity or when we're tempted to be distracted from the light that's in the Word of God. We humble ourselves before God. We know that God wants to exalt us. We are aware of our enemy, our adversary, the devil, who comes roaring back, trying to get us to, to not to cast our cares upon him, but to take him back and be full of anxiety and worry and frustration and all that. We recognize that God is at work in us, perfecting us, establishing us in the faith, And strengthening us with His strength. And so we rejoice knowing that we're suffering only these emotions until our spirit man kicks in and takes over so that God can manifest Himself in a greater way in our lives and help us overcome the situation. Chapter 4, verse 1, 1 John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. You better be worried about this because you know it's not going to work. Beloved, believe not every spirit. I can also say this and be true. Believe not every feeling. Believe not every emotion. Believe not every circumstance. Can you see that? Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world... Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit, that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. You are of God, little children. Stand there in the face of that spirit and his suggestions and say, I am of God. And I say that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. What do you say about it? You want to get the devil to hightail it out of there? If that's a wrong spirit manifesting himself, putting suggestive thoughts in your mind? You say, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. What have you got to say about it? They'll flee from you. I'm of God. I've overcome them. For greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me. And who is in you? Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And how many things can you do through him? How many things? 
who does what to you? Strengthens. What's that mean now? What he's doing is he's confirming in us knowledge and spiritual power. Spiritual power and and knowledge in our lives. Can you see that? Jesus on the inside of us, the hope of glory, is conditioning us in spirit. He is imparting a measure, and by degree, a greater measure, of the miracle-working power of the Father in our lives, enabling us to draw from a strength that is superior to our emotions and feelings. And the Spirit of glory will rest upon you. So how do you act on the Word of God? That's how we do it. Right there. That's how we do it. I humble myself before God. I cast my load of my care upon my heavenly Father. I know that as the devil comes, I will resist him and stand firm against any suggestion that he might have. I know my heavenly Father God, even though I may experience some, some emotional you know, sufferings or whatever, is at work in me. And he is perfecting me on the inside. He perfects that which concerns us. He is at work on the inside to establish my spiritual condition, to repair it, to, to, re- to do whatever is necessary, to establish me. And then, thirdly, he is in the in inner man on the inside of us, seeing to it that he is imparting his strength and that we don't have to rely on the strength of our emotions or feelings. Thank God it's a fight, but it's a fight we win. It's a good fight of faith, and we can rely on him who abides within us. Say it with me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. He is the strength of my life. He is strengthening me now. Enabling me to stand against all the powers, all the forces of darkness coming against me. I say that I'm of God and greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. And no weapon, no weapon formed against me can prosper. For the God of glory that raised Jesus from the dead is fighting for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand and give glory to God. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.